Good morning, good morning online, good morning in person. It is good to be here, isn't it? I'm going to get the online stream out of my pocket and put it right here on the table next to me so that if anybody wants to heckle me online, I can see your comments coming through as well, which is a beautiful thing, right? But the great thing is it's got about a 30-second delay. So um, whatever they're trying to say that seems timely, they're going to look a little bit silly because they're going to be like late to the party. You guys can take a seat. Thank you so much. It's good to be here and it's good to be online. I don't know if you've found this, that in this new world, I seem to be on camera a lot more than normal. Has anybody found this? I feel like some days in my job, I'm on a perpetual Zoom call that lasts from morning till night and then it's the same again the next day. And I've found, who do you... Who do you look at when you're looking at the screen? Because I've found that I'm probably looking at myself more often than what I should be. I'm supposed to be looking at other people. But I find myself getting distracted <clears throat> by myself on screen. And I start playing with my face because I start looking at myself thinking, is that really what I look like? <laughs> like I've noticed, you notice some young people jumping around in praise and worship. I've got a message for the youth. I've realised when I was a teenager, I thought older people didn't jump because they you know, had frail bones or something. I don't think that's true. What I've noticed is it's uncomfortable to jump now because your face is a couple of seconds behind <laughs> your jumping. Your skin's gotten all loose. And so on Zoom calls, I'm sitting there going... Is that, I, I don't think there was that many wrinkles before. And then I realised that I'm on camera and other people are on the call with me. And I, think, I probably shouldn't be doing that. Or like this hairline is just going back. Every time I go to the hairdresser, I think it wasn't there before. It's a little bit, it's a little bit further back than what it once was. And maybe this is a late realisation. But what I've realised is I've changed. I've changed. Raise your hand and give me a little raise hand in the chat if, if your body in the last 10 years has changed. <laughs> some people not. You got to, like if there's some people under 10, you, your body's definitely changed <laughs> in the last 10 years. Okay, keep your hands lifted and put your hands down if your body is the only thing about you that has changed in the last 10 years. Everything about you is the same, except your body. Okay, lots of hands still lifted, as I'd expect. The truth is, people do change. Turn to the person next to you and say, people change. That is important. That's important because we can get so caught up in who am I that we elevate the idea of ourself to something sacred and we think that it's totally unchangeable. This idea of self, like who am I and what, it, what makes up who I am. And like we act like that's unchangeable. But in John 3, Jesus tells a religious leader, Nicodemus, people need to be born again. He's speaking to the deepest kind of transformation and change that a person could experience. And that's what Jesus thinks needs to happen. That the old self would die. And the new self 
would be born again. And so we probably need to relax our idea of who am I, who am I, and, and what this self is, so that because there might be actually a new you that you're called to on the other side of your next adventure. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. It's the tension between staying as who we think we are and becoming who we're called to be through some kind of adventure. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, um, this we're in the middle of a series called Once Upon a Time, like Cody mentioned, and we've been unpacking the stories that we tell and the stories that we live. And we're talking about how you can become the hero of your own story, the hero at the center of your own life. Last week, we talked about the call to adventure, where the hero is called out of their ordinary world into a new world. That's like whatever takes you out of your comfort zone. And this week, we're going to talk about the next stage of that archetypal story that humans have been telling for generations, and that is the refusal of the call. The refusal of the call is when the hero has received the call to adventure, but they haven't yet answered the call. So in Legally Blonde, I'm going to keep coming back to these movies, Elle Woods has been dumped by her boyfriend Warner because she's not serious enough, but she hasn't yet decided to go to law school. She's in the in-between and she's just sitting around eating way too much chocolate and yelling at the TV. In The Lion King, Simba has gone to the top of the mountain and been told by his dad Mufasa that one day he will be king. But... When Mufasa's killed by Scar, Simba runs away to the desert. So he hasn't yet taken up the adventure of making his way to being the king. So what does that mean for us in our lives when, when we refuse the call to adventure? What does that mean for us? Refusal of the call is refusing to change. Let's just let that sink in a little bit. Refusal of the call is refusing to change. It's holding up your ideas your interests, your patterns of behavior. It's holding up your beliefs, your things, your lifestyle as so sacred and saying, I am the way that I am and nothing will change that. The problem with that statement is I think that the great I am takes that as a challenge. When you say, I am the way that I am, he says, are you really? I am the great I am. So why do we resist change? Why do we stay in this place? Why do we end up refusing the call to adventure? It's two things. One is fear and the second is insecurity. We talked about a bit about fear last week and we're going to unpackage that later in a, in a following week. So this morning we're going to talk about insecurity. How does insecurity stop us from accepting the call to adventure? Insecurity tells us we're not good enough for the journey ahead. I can't do that. I'm not strong enough. I don't have enough experience. I'm not qualified. And the reason that's a problem is people think that the person that they are at the beginning of an adventure is all that they have to complete the adventure. But that is not true because people change. Turn to the person next to you and say, people change. If you have ever doubted yourself, then I've got good news for you. You will not survive your adventure. I thought you said he had good news for us. You will not achieve your dreams. 
What's he talking about? You will be a different person on the other side of your adventure. That's why you can't achieve your dreams and you, uh, you will not survive your adventure because you are going to be a different person and you'll need to become that new person in order to finish the story. In Moses' story in Exodus, we get a great example of the refusal of the call. Thanks for that heckle, John and Bronnie. I appreciate that. So Moses, at the beginning of his story, was an Israelite, and he's, he was raised in Egypt while the Israelites were enslaved. He longs for his people to be set free, but he got in trouble trying to execute his own form of justice by killing a slave driver. And so he's found himself living with his father-in-law in, in another land in Midian, tending his sheep. And he is hiding from the Egyptians until one day in the deep of the wilderness, he sees a bush that's burning but not being consumed. In that bush, the Lord tells Moses that the Lord plans to rescue the Israelites from Egypt. He has a plan, he's heard them, and he's going to bring them out of Egypt. But how does God do work on earth? Through people. He calls a hero to adventure. And so in Exodus 3 verse 10, I bet Moses is sitting there thinking, that's great, you go for it, Lord. Do it, rescue them. That's what we need. And then God says, so now go. What? <laughs> what do you mean? So now go, he says. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, his first refusal of the call, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. So Moses' first rejection of the call is, who am I? Maybe you felt that same sentiment. Who am I to do this that you have called me to? Because we don't feel like we are enough. Notice that God's response to him is not, Moses, you're awesome. You've got this. Moses, I've made you to be really good at this kind of thing. Moses like, who am I? And God almost agrees with him because he doesn't say, you are this great and mighty person. All God says is, I'm going to be with you. So as long as we're thinking, who am I? We're focused on the wrong person. We need to put our eyes on the person who will be with us, not on who we are. Exodus 3, 13 to 14. Moses said to God, his second refusal of the call, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. So Moses' second rejection is, well, if you, if you okay, so you've answered, who am I? Who are you? If you're going to be with me, who are you? Who am I supposed to tell them who you are? And I love God's response. I am who I am. He simply is and he is unchanging. If you find yourself in a position where your character differs from what God's character is and what he's calling you to, if you want to move closer to God, only one of you is going to change and it's not going to be him. 
So we need to get used to the idea that maybe it's like, what's that saying about an immovable object and an unstoppable force? It's like, as we move closer to God, we ought to expect that there's going to be change happening on the inside. I am who I am. Exodus 4 verse 1 to 2, Moses answered his third refusal of the call. What if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what's that in your hand? A staff, he replied. So his third rejection, his third refusal, what if they don't believe me, is like, or what if I face opposition along the way? That's what Moses is essentially saying to God. And God's response is, well, what have you got? What menial thing have you already got in your hand? And Moses would look down and say, I've got this walking stick and I use it to tend the sheep. Well, God can use what you have in extraordinary ways on the journey. He shows Moses that he can throw his staff on the ground. It will turn into a serpent, pick it back up again, and it will turn back into a staff. And then he even says, okay, forget about the staff. What about your hand? That holds the staff. He's put your hand inside your jacket. Puts it in his jacket, pulls it out, and it comes out leprous. Puts it back inside his jacket, and it comes back out clean. So God's saying, whatever you've got, whatever piddly little things you think that are useless in your journey, he says, I can use that to make, make come to pass what you need on your journey. So don't underestimate what you have. God can use it. Notice that God didn't say to Moses, what I need you to do is go and go to the tallest hill and there you will find a magical tree whose branches can turn into snakes. It's not about going to find some special thing that can be used on the way. Whatever you have, that's what can be used. His fourth refusal of the call, Moses said to the Lord in in verse 10, (laughs) I, I get the sense that the more often... Moses refuses, the closer we get to the heart of the issue. Moses says, pardon your servant, Lord, but I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. There's the, there's the deepest insecurity in Moses. Whatever's happening with my mouth is not good enough to speak to Pharaoh, the leader of this whole world. The Lord says to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. Often we look at our own weaknesses and we think this disqualifies me. But God says, God's response is not, I'm going to heal the mouth. He just says, who, who, who made you? So I didn't make a mistake with that. And I can work through that. Sometimes I think that actually you're better off with a weakness than you are in perfection. Because in perfection, you rely on yourself. In weakness, you rely on him. That's why in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Jesus tells Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Sometimes I think we read that scripture and we think, okay, so I have a weakness. 
God is going to compensate my weakness with his strength. And sometimes I think he does that. Here's what's extraordinary. The other thing that he does, other than just compensating our weakness, is sometimes he has actually placed that weakness there for a reason. His power is made perfect because he reveals to us and to others that that weakness is actually coming with an accompanying strength that he has placed there from the beginning for the purpose of our adventure. Has anybody seen the film Erin Brockovich? Great movie. She's like the most unexpected lawyer, not actually a lawyer, um, who, who is pivotal in a case against PG&E, the biggest gas and electric company in, in America at the time. And she wins by being able to build close relationships with every one of the plaintiffs in the town that's affected. And there's this great scene where they bring in this bigger law firm and this big you know, hotshot lawyer comes in and says, uh, we're just going to fill in the gaps in your research. And she said, what gaps? She said, well, you forgot to collect phone numbers for a whole bunch of the plaintiffs. And she said, what phone number do you need? She said, what, you, what, you remember every phone number of 400 plaintiffs? What phone number do you need? And then they, they just pick up a name off the top of the list. And she rattles off not only their phone number, but the names of every family member and all the sicknesses that they have. Okay, so Erin Brockovich is based on a true story. And that is actually how she fought that case. She has an extraordinary memory. Why does she have an extraordinary memory? Erin Brockovich is dyslexic. So for her to write down and do all the figuring out on paper of all the details is extraordinarily hard for her. Some would call that a weakness. But her compensation to the weakness is to memorize every number, every name, every person, every, weakness, uh, every sickness. And that became her strength in winning that case. If you think about David and Goliath, when David is fighting Goliath, often we think, oh, he's just a guy with no armor and no sword. He's just got a sling. It's like a, like a kid's toy or something. That's not true. Goliath came with armor and a sword. They tried to put the same on David. He refused it. And we see that as weakness. But David goes onto the field as a ranged fighter. If you saw a massive bodybuilder guy with a metal pole, who's 50 meters away from a skinny guy who's short holding a gun. Who would you put your money on in the fight? The guy with the gun. David is a ranged warrior and he's using his underdog status to his advantage. And so sometimes we have a, a perceived weakness that is actually our strength that was put there by God from the beginning. And if we just change our perspective and our perception, we might see that we are created with a purpose and that He has everything in His hand and He's ready to work through us to bring about good in our world. Is that all right? Good. Okay, the last refusal of the call. This is my favourite one by far. Exodus 4.13, Moses says... Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. <laughs> it's so good because he's got no more excuses. He's literally got no reason other than I just would rather anybody else do it. And then the Lord's, Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. 
He's already on his way to meet you. He'll be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. Moses' fifth refusal of the call, he has no reasons left, just please send somebody else. I'm sure we've all felt like that before. I just don't want to do it. I'd rather stay here. But God's response is anger. And that's because it's, it's Hebrews 11 says, the only way to please God is through faith. And, and this kind of fear and refusal is the opposite of faith. And so God becomes angry. He says, Aaron will speak for you, but you are the one who is called. And he's just going to be the mouthpiece. So he solves Moses' actual fear but he doesn't let Moses off the hook from his calling because it is Moses that is called to this adventure in the same way that you and I have callings on our lives that cannot be shaken off onto somebody else. You are at the centre of your story. And so God can and will bring people around you to support you, just like he brought Aaron in for Moses, but only you can respond to the call to adventure that is on your life. You are at the centre of that story. It cannot be shirked onto somebody else. You can refuse the call until you die, in which case the, the call to adventure will be left unanswered. You are likely to become a villain in your own story and lead to your own destruction. But it doesn't mean that somebody else will pick up the call to adventure. They have their own calls to adventure and only you have yours. And so I want to encourage you, pick up the damn call to adventure. <laughs> My goodness. So Moses is out of excuses and he sets out on his adventure. If he didn't, we wouldn't know the story. How did he overcome the fear and the self-doubt and accept that call to adventure? At the crux of it all, God helped Moses take his eyes off of himself and helped him put his eye on the prize. Whatever you're called to, the key is take your eyes off yourself and, and your own flaws and your own inadequacies and fix your eyes on your calling and the one who does the calling. Heroes don't go on adventures to go and um, find healing from their wounds and fears and try and become new people and sit down with somebody and talk through all their feelings, although that may be something you do along the way. Heroes go on adventures because they have to get something done. And the calling or the prize at the end of the story is what we ought to fix our eyes on and the one who does the calling. The great heroes of the faith uh, in history... If you think about it, they weren't just on a personal healing journey. They were trying to achieve something greater than themselves. So if we can fix our eyes on the call that we have and the God who calls us, that's when we're going to have, find the courage and the strength to answer our call to adventure. So I would ask you this morning, what is it that God is calling you to? Why don't you stand with me? I believe God's saying to you this morning, if you are on the precipice of stepping out on a new adventure, I believe God's saying to you the same as he said to Gideon in Judges 6. He says, go 
with the strength that you have. Turn to the person next to you. Say, go with the strength that you have. You may think, I don't have enough strength to finish the walk, the journey, the adventure. Well, that's all right, because it's not going to be you at the end as the beginning. And you're going to become a different person. You will have to become a different person. People change. So I want to pray for you before we leave here this morning. So that as you go out on your adventure, you can carry the Spirit of the Lord with you. So if you would just close your eyes wherever you are here and online, I would love to just pray for you wherever you're at in your own story or journey. Father, I thank you that Moses' story stands as an example of what we are to do even in the face of great self-doubt or feelings of inadequacy. For any person here who feels like you're calling them to something that they are not up to, Lord, I pray that you would encourage them with the same words that you spoke to Moses, that you will be with them. They don't need to do it in their own strength. They can do it in your strength. Father, I ask your presence would come and rest on every person and in every person that's under the sound of my voice, that they might know that you love them, you care for them, and you will be with them. We may change, but you are unchanging, and you stand alongside us with your strength. Thank you, Jesus, that any weakness that we have Your power is made perfect in that weakness. We thank you, Lord, for every call, every adventure that's in front of us, that we're in the middle of and that's behind us. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here this morning or you're watching online and you haven't actually accepted Jesus into your heart for the first time or maybe you've done it before but you have walked away and you want to come back this morning to accept that central biggest call to adventure that you could ever accept and that is to follow Him, to ask Him into your life and to follow Him. If that's you, you've never done that before or you want to come back this morning, I want to give you an opportunity right now to raise your hand and express that that's something you want to do. And one of our team is going to pray with you and help you get plugged in that you might begin to walk on that journey with the Lord. So if you're online, there's going to be a raise hand button in the chat. And if you're here in person, I would love for you to just raise your hand physically so that our team knows who we're going to pray with who are going to help get connected. Awesome. So good. We love you and we're excited for the future. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, um, next week, uh, we're going to be talking about facing off with 
your nemesis. So get yourselves ready.